0: Hi, I'm Amanda and I'm Kim and this is The Department, a podcast about trends and how they define the world around us.
1: 40. Uh, this is sort of a nostalgia collision course with themes that have actually arisen during our online dating episode and hipster episodes. Uh, actually, really, really exciting to talk about this. Uh, why there was such a big trend of so many of us, kind of cool girls, making allowances for such lousy behavior from dudes in the aughts and through today. Uh, Well, Amanda and I like to give some of this credit to what we like to call the Ethan Hawke effect. (laughs) Essentially, a pop cultural haloing of this grungy Gen X anti-hero archetype. So welcome to our TED Talk. (laughs) (laughs) Amanda and I explore this and much more this week. Um, I think it's actually really important to point out because we basically rolled up trend after trend after trend after dissecting trend upon trend upon trend, upon trend and f- kind of, you know, stumbled upon this. And we just we wanted to really kind of uh, bring this to the forefront and <laughs> and um, kind of showcase it to all of our listeners out here Um and, you know, if you have your hands free for a second, you know, please shoot us a star rating on Apple. Or, you know, if you have a, a couple extra seconds, you know, uh, a review is also highly appreciated. Also, follow us on your preferred podcast streaming service. You know, and if you want to find out more content, you can follow us on Instagram, you can find us at underscore the underscore department and for show notes uh and contact info you can check us out on the interweb the department.world
0: and we still want your dating stories so spoiler in this episode we're not going to include any of your stories because to be honest when I looked through all the things we wanted to discuss today I was like yeah that episode's gonna be pretty long already so next episode is going to be our last episode of this dating mini series, and it will be a dating story extravaganza. We'll share some of our stories. We're going to hear your stories. So get your messages to us now. And you can do that by calling the hotline number, which you'll find at the department dot world. That's really our website. Uh, (laughs) And you can also uh, email us a voice memo that you've recorded on your phone or your computer. Or as I've said before, send us a long (laughs) written out version and we will dramatically reenact it here for all of you. And I believe the email address for that is info at the department dot world. Let's get this rolling. Because I <laughs> sure. am we were already like I was like, hey, we have to stop talking and yeah. start recording because we were already so going ham. Yeah. Before we started recording. We were like, oh my God, and what about this? So 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 let's just do it.
1: Yeah. So Amanda and I got to talking during the past, you know months uh, and we were reminiscing a bit about old movies and dudes role models dating trends and we were like what is the one thing in common well the movies Mm -hmm. and the shows of the 90s that we grew up with watching particularly the ones aimed at the more alternative counterculture kids and uh, that spoke to this kind of new generation and particularly reality bites, which, you know, I, I heard again and again, you know, particularly w- in my reading, but what I remember from all of my friend groups as everyone's favorite movie. You know, we didn't have a lot. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like Netflix was making a ton of content. We basically had (laughs) reality bites, you know, my so-called life, maybe, you know, like this, you know, we were, you know, you know, not to date us or anything, but, you know, we were in middle school in the nineties, right? Yeah. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And like. Uh, I mean, you know what I think about, uh, first off, I like never watch regular TV ever, right? I just like stream stuff and as all of you do probably (laughs) as well. But when we talk about how we didn't have much, I mean, guys. Oh, no. For like four months every year, it was reruns. Yes. There was nothing. I used to as a kid, I'd be like, well, on one hand, summer is fun because you don't have to go to school. But on the other hand, there's no TV to watch. I don't know. Mm -hmm. know? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so you you just had like
1: like if if there was a movie that came out and mtv supported it like oh. reality bites or clueless mm-hmm. um you know that was the movie that you went and saw and then you just rewatch. you usually owned it and you rewatched it a thousand times mm-hmm, over and those mm-hmm. became your role models like those people in there you like you aspired to be that when you grew up
0: you know? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And it was <laughs> so weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we didn't have we
1: didn't you know, we obviously had, you know, various other role models, but you know, on TV as like cool counterculture kids, you know, that's what we were looking at.
0: And, yeah, you know, not much going on. Not much. And yeah. you know,
1: as young girls, obviously we transitioned through extremely vulnerable and impressional ages. We had the Disney princesses and all that crap. And we kept growing and we continued to be impressionable through our teens and 20s and growing up on the 90s heartthrobs, Amanda and I (laughs) wanted to talk about what we like to call the Ethan Hawke effect, Mm
0: -hmm. um, which
1: just really encapsulates that whole of the stereotype and genre that persisted during the era and then poured onto all of the next generations because, you know, there wasn't a lot for a while either, you know. I have a feeling that reality bites did spill over for other generations as
0: well. Yeah. And once again, like all of the movies and television shows we're gonna talk about tonight, we have seen so many times that everything we're gonna talk about is so deeply like etched on our brains, on our psyche, that of course we make decisions that are influenced by these things that we watch time and time and time again. Yeah.
1: Essentially, the Gen X slacker dude is this mysterious, sexy burnout, an emotionally unavailable loner, always in a band. (laughs) Always. Always. Uh, And may or may not hold down a steady job. Like, it's acceptable. that That is, like, an acceptable part of him. He generally has some deep-seated wound or trauma uh, as part of his character. And this is a stereotype which is literally all <laughs> red flags.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Like, as we were working on, like, planning this episode, I was laughing <laughs> so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah my. <laughs>
1: All red flags. and like these are like this is this is the guy that we're supposed to see as like the hot thing like, uh-huh. this is the guy that we that is supposed to be like the hot thing on the menu <laughs> like <laughs> yep it's unbelievable yep. and you know i, I it kind of took me a while to even realize that you know i mean it took me literally 40 years to realize that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I kind of started to see I had a lot of patterns, and I thought I was the only one. And no, I thought it was because I was just such a professional hipster. But like, as we dug into these archetypes, I was like, oh my god! Yeah, like this is when it started. For this me. is when it
1: started when we were yeah. in middle school. And we were watching God. MTV and we were like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and mm-hmm. singles and, and, you know, and just like kind of like getting into this, this thing. And they're just, you know, that this was just, this like just imp- was so so impressioned on to our psyches, um, mm-hmm. you know. As alternative girls. And you know, and it hired hardwired a lot of us to be attracted to these slacker dudes as we grew into our 20s and 30s. We also witnessed how our female role models on the screens behave towards these men, mm-hmm,
0: giving us mm-hmm. readily
1: available excuses for their bad behaviors to use as crutches for years to come as well as conditioned behaviors that we were just subconsciously programmed. Gosh, Isn't it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's wild to think about it now. Like, since we've, like, just working on this episode, I was mm-hmm. like, wait, what? Anyway. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, it's all just falling into place as just, you know, exploring all these trends and, you know, looking back on, you know, Movies and 90s, and you know, relationship expert Haley Quinn was this expert that I referred to in last week's episode on flea bagging, which is basically um, making cyclical, toxic choices again and again. So she mm-hmm. blames the entertainment industry in part and says a lot of it comes down to unrealistic ideas around romance that are kept alive by books and films.
0: Mm-hmm, if we mm-hmm. expect
1: love to be a constant on-again, off-again battle, then we may be more inclined to accept behavior that we shouldn't in our relationships. And I think the same goes for the reflection of the type of person and the way relationships are being portrayed as acceptable in a lot of these movies and shows that we watched in our formative years as these alternative girls to be attracted to ostensibly losers or slackers in her 20s and 30s. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. um, and, and,
1: you know, Amanda, I wanted to bring some evidence in, you know, and let, let's just kick right off here with the easiest target mr hawk and reality bites you know and please jump right in here if i'm missing something um so yeah okay so you know both amanda and i could probably talk four days about this movie
0: i know i actually already (laughs) said that when we decide to do a series about 90s trends which we definitely will i've been thinking about the 90s a lot lately and how it set the stage for a lot of I mean, well, like we're talking about today as an example, it really set the stage for a lot of social norms of the aughts and now. Um, and I said that when we do a series about the 90s, we have to do a whole episode about reality bites alone and all yeah. of the trends that are in there. Absolutely. That either started there or you know they were capturing like you know the huge big gulps for example yes i had to like back off
1: i had to like i couldn't even watch the movie because i was like i am literally going to spiral <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna spiral out
0: <laughs> i mean you know what my favorite thing about that movie i mean there are many i actually as i'm, I'm talking myself into doing oh my an episode God. about
1: it i think anyway. i know we might just have to
0: we, we might have to um how she spent all that money on psychic hotlines which are oh. such a 90s oh. thing like the tv that was back then we would watch oh. the tv guys yes. and there were every everywhere commercials for these psychic hotlines during the mm-hmm. daytime on MTV it was the era of psychic hotlines
1: oh my god yes i was obsessed with her hair her clothes mm-hmm. the way she talked i mean she was a role model essentially
0: oh for sure. for um, sure. And I think that this
1: actually really was one of my absolute favorite movies. Definitely the one one of the movies that I've seen absolutely the most in my lifetime. I can I can repeat pretty much every line in it. Um and let me just be pre- preemptive. Um 1994 was like the cultural apex for the quote-unquote slacker, which was a mm. directionless angst-ridden Gen X stereotype that came out of this recently defined generation of grunge and alternative kids. And selling out was the worst thing you could possibly do for this group.
0: (laughs) It's true. It's true. I remember reading about how Kurt Cobain specifically really struggled with the concept mm-hmm. and fear of selling out. So at one point, you know, he was he was making some money. Mm-hmm. He went out and bought a really nice car, like a Mercedes or something. And the next day he returned it to the dealership and bought like a shitty used Volvo or something. Yeah. Because he was too afraid of selling out.
1: Yeah. It's, it, I mean, I the zeitgeist of the time was very interesting. If you were a successful slacker.
0: <laughs> and now it's like... Why wouldn't you sell out? Actually, Dustin and I were talking about that recently that, you know, Dustin also, you know, he came of age, you know, in the late 90s, early aughts and, he, as, and was a musician, is a musician. And he said, you know, that you can't sell out thing was still going strong and something that everyone feared. But he's like, I realize now that musicians are like yeah of course i'm going to sell out anyone yes. everyone's like let's sell out you know no the
1: intention is to make a lot of money exactly <laughs> yeah
0: selling out is the name of the game exactly. now it's but changed. man in the 90s it was like to be accused mm-hmm. of selling out was the worst thing someone could yeah. say to you
1: or i mean they could say mean, you're yeah. a
0: poser that too
1: <laughs> i would think we could actually do it. i mean that's i don't want to go too deep on this because we could actually do a whole episode on the the Gen X slacker there's like yeah. a whole backstory, even oh, on my the Gen X, Gen X, like as a, um, a generation being coined and it, it's very fascinating. Mm-hmm,
0: um, mm-hmm.
1: but anyway, so this was the height of a cool attitude, particularly for this, me- the men of this subculture. And it was plucked straight out of the music scene that you couldn't have been more influential at the time. Um, so ultimately that trend really started there. And then the entertainment industry picked up on it. Um, so Ethan Hawke's character, Troy Dyer. <laughs> which is, is
0: such a douchebag name, by and, the way. And, it, and it
1: actually is actually a real person. So the, Oh, really? Yeah, who sued the writer.
0: <gasps>
1: who sued the writer That's for so using funny. his name. Yes. Anyway, which is really funny. I know. Exactly. Um, but Troy Dyer is like foine. Like, he's, like, Mm -hmm. very – he's, like, you know, he's, like, the ultimate, you know.
0: Oh, Um, Major Abraham, yeah. (laughs) But he's the worst. He is the worst. Like – The worst. But we don't – but you don't even see it. (laughs) You don't. Well, not – and not when you're, like, as young as we were when you see it. But I recently watched – Reality Bites, I want to say like a year or two ago. Yeah. And I was like, this guy is such a motherfucker. And yeah. I, if I were dating that guy, I would like do violence to him at this point. <laughs> this guy is un-fucking-bearable. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if your parents are listening to this, but like that is just how unbearable- Absolutely. He's the worst of all the dudes we're going to talk about. He is. He's absolutely
1: the worst. But also this was like everyone's favorite movie and probably the movie that was the most impressionable to people.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: For sure. So this is why we do call it the Ethan Hawke Hawke effect. He cannot keep a job or a girlfriend. I don't even think he really wants one. Um, He never seems to bathe. Um, He's
0: kind of gross, actually. (laughs)
1: he's kind of homeless.
0: Um, (laughs) Yeah, kind of. He's
1: kind of homeless. He's like couch surfy. Um, He has some emotional stuntedness that makes him like the perfect fixer upper with greasy Uh. hair. That was like really kind of attractive. That was like an attractive trait at that time for the slacker.
0: I mean, they sold hair products that would give you that look. Uh, yes. That's not, I'm pretty sure that's when Bedhead came up.
1: Yes. That product. Exactly. Yeah. Like, that was an attractive <laughs> look. I mean, and to top it all off, he's, like, one of those really, really intelligent, brooding slackers. hmm And he's in a band, Hey, that's of my bike. Of course Of course. And you could buy the t-shirt. Do you remember you could buy Hey, That's My Bike t-shirts?
0: Yes. Yes. I mean, it's only a matter of time till Hot Topic has those again, really. Exactly. Uh, you know. <laughs> uh, and he is so pretentious oh, and so junky. Snooty. Oh. Uh, this is like, I mean, you know, probably not surprising to anyone listening, these are the kinds of guys I met time after time after time. And like in the beginning, I would feel intimidated by them, like, "Oh, I yeah. hope I'm cool enough for them. I hope they're not judging me." Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, "Oh, Ugh, God,' gross. I'm a loser. Yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, nothing to do with you yeah yeah so he's literally the mount kilimanjaro passing by every red flag as you make your way to the top and he spends most of the movie smirking and being a total smart ass and generally treating the lead character winona ryder's character lelaina pierce like absolute crap
0: like he's so mean to her but secretly so having
1: feelings for her uh, like, okay
0: like it's in middle school this is making me think of something that we had talked about talking about in this episode, but it ca- kind of full, but I'm just going to mention this because I think it's uh, something that's going to come up again and again when we talk about the way these like sexy heartthrob antiheroes relate to the main, it's always like the female protagonist. It's like, this yeah. is how it always works out. The reality is that, ironically, no pun intended there, uh, that this put planted a seed in all mm-hmm. of our brains that if a guy is being rude to you, if he is treating you like crap, that's because, not because he's a jerk or doesn't like you. It's because he secretly loves you. <laughs> and God. I oh my, I was telling Kim, like, listen, the amount of times I would be in some weird dysfunctional situation that I should have walked away from. And my one of my friends, there's always that one friend who will say, Yeah, but I think he's just like really afraid of his feelings or he's really intimidated by you and afraid he's going to lose you if he's vulnerable, like that kind of stuff. And in real life, when a guy is treating you that way, I suppose there is a small chance that it's because he's secretly in love with you, but most likely he's just not that into you, you know? Or he And or he's just like emotionally broken and yeah. you don't Just need stay that. away. Yeah.
1: Anyone being mean, just stay away.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I've never read that book. Mm-hmm. He's just not that into you. But I feel like it was a sea change for a lot of women who read that. And like, I want to say that came out in the odds. So I'm not really sure. Um, I know they made a romantic comedy based on it that apparently is not related on any level. But um, I think the 90s set this stage and maybe this was happening in like 80s teen movies too but we were too young i i don't know but it set this stage for like the worse a guy treats you the more he loves you yeah and like we we got to break up with that idea exactly
1: don't yeah even if he does secretly love you and he treats you like garbage that's just still not acceptable you don't
0: you don't want to be in a relationship with that guy like come on that's abuse you know
1: yeah no but yeah that's 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 not that's not okay um so the the, you know the main character Lelena has goals in life you know unlike troy she is an aspiring documentary filmmaker she was the valedictorian of her graduating class um you know she really aspires to be something you know she they're young they're like 23 years old you know they just they're they they they're just starting out and they really want to make something of themselves and she is just pounding the pavement and trying to make something um and there is a strange tension and bec- there is a love triangle between Troy and then we get introduced to Ben Stiller who who has this character who's a bit of a square and he's meant to be a total square, you know, and he's uh-huh. this music TV exec.
0: But he's like not actually, in retrospect, that square. You know what I no, mean? No, he's
1: just, he's really, he's really nice, actually.
0: Yeah, and he's like successful and he's, he's a, a hard mu- worker. He's a
1: music, he's basically like an MTV music exec. Oh, no, Are you kidding? he's got a
0: cool job. I he know. a really nice like-
1: car. He's got a cool job. Like, come on.
0: I know, I know. And so one thing I noticed as we were preparing for this is that in each of the, with each of these, like, characters in movies and television, these heartthrob slacker dudes, they all have this counter, like, I don't know, what would you call it, like, ne- nemesis almost for the mm-hmm. protagonist's affection who is the nice guy. Mm-hmm. And you... As the viewer, when you're watching this, when you're 12 or 16 or 25 even, you are like, yeah, that guy is so lame and boring. Of course I want this, like, tortured heartthrob jerk face. And then you – I feel like you know you're making progress with yourself when you watch one of these movies and you're like, she should have gone out with Ben Stiller's character. (laughs) Like, that should have been – she should have gone with him, you know? Right. (laughs) Like exactly, definitely, it should have gone with him instead.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and so Troy can't tell Elena that he is romantically interested in her. Instead, just is kind of gaslighting and rude and condescending uh-huh. and really uh-huh. bitchy. Like when she goes out on a date with Ben, is just like a piece of shit to her.
0: Yeah, he's a real piece of shit. That is a good way to describe it. He's so mean.
1: <laughs> so mean. Yet she still feels this sort of connection to his like garbage sexiness, chemistry. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, they eventually kind of like sleep together, and he literally walks out on her because, and I quote, he can't handle it.
0: Ah. Uh huh. <laughs> Hate it. So
1: dumb. He's just – it's so dumb. And, you know, and they have some, like, really swoon-worthy moments that, of course, when we're young, we're like, oh, my God, how romantic. Um, But in disguise, you know, it looks like a starter pack for, like, this, like, weird dating via, like, hitching your wagon to a dud that's basically going to cripple your potential
0: forever, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
1: Like – but, but we don't see that. We, we see, oh my God, how romantic, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I've read a lot of articles where there are people that are just pissed that she chooses Troy and not Ben. But the zeitgeist of the time was to avoid selling out at all costs. So ending right. up with Ben wouldn't have been in line with her generation's philosophies. But it sure did set a precedence for some serious fuck Openness for everyone in our generation and generations in the future. Um, but ultimately, for her to be a girl boss, her best move would have been to have gone out with with Ben's character, literally a studio executive who could have helped her as an aspiring documentary filmmaker, actually become something.
0: Yeah, and I feel like they could have just done nice stuff together. Exactly, he was just such a nice guy. Uh, the, uh, yes, I'm the potential we have. The yeah.
1: potential. And he really treated her. He treated her so well. Everything he said to her was so nice. The only thing that kind of screwed up was there was like a, a slight sellout part where he kind of like clipped part of her documentary together and made it a little goofy looking, which just really ultimately it was just like a little bit of like a a communication issue, you know, like it just—it wasn't really <laughs> that big of a deal. All, it, but it was like, you know, selling out, and that was the ultimate, yeah, yeah, ultimate, you know, failure. And it was worth breaking up for, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, straight into the arms of slacker dude. Exactly,
1: you know. And it basically told us, you know, if Elena could make a boyfriend out of the slacker guy, you can make a winner out of your like loser too. Because that's the ultimate goal, right? Have a boyfriend, and then all is swell in life. You know? That's the goal, right? Boyfriends make life better, not you, not your passions. Like you oh, don't you don't need, to, you don't need to like work on yourself. You don't need to work on like on your career. you know? Like we all just hope that one day Lelena would dump him and just focus on her goddamn career.
0: Well, do you think – I mean, this is a great time to ask. Do you think they're still together? Absolutely
1: not. No, there's yeah, no way. for
0: sure. For sure. I know. She probably – they were together for a few years. She was hoping that maybe he would, like, propose. He never did. They, things got really bitter.
1: I actually don't even think they were together that long. You don't think Because so? they just fought all the time.
0: Yeah, it didn't make any sense. I mean, I listen, I've had people in my life who I like to fight and make out with. I get it. Mm-hmm. But it's so doomed, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Lelana, Ex- yeah. whatever. L- Lelana,
1: Lelana. And I mean, and, and, and to be clear, like obviously, you know, I've definitely not dated all slackers and things like that. Um, I do think that, that like, it's just like that, that setup of, you know, being on like online dating and like looking through people's profiles and like having just like look, you know, for some reason, like being just predisposed to this kind of slacker profile.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because that was sort of ingrained. And I'm like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> and being able to get out of it and being like, I want someone who's not like that anymore. I want someone who is like emotionally well-rounded and, you know, uh you know, and, and, and treats me well. And yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I, I think that's like, a, it's just like a wake up call of like, okay, let's, let's, th- that's like that flea begging thing. It's like being able to kind of, To see what has been in front of you this entire time. And it has been just basically gaslighting the whole generation.
0: Uh, Uh. (laughs) Well, speaking of like super iconic, handsome 90s slackers, you can't talk about them without talking about girl Jordan Catalano of My So-Called Life, played by Jared Leto. Um,
1: I've been at at parties with him. Wow, was he sexy? I've seen him in person.
0: Yeah, he seems like Mm -hmm. he'd be easy on the eyes even now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And My So-Called Life, if you haven't watched it, I can't (sighs) recommend it highly enough. It was the the 90s teenage show because it was so real in a way that Beverly Hills 90210 could never be. And we're going to talk about 90210 in this episode too. but. Like my so-called life was real. It yeah. only aired for one season and I'm yeah. I'm still holding a grudge about that actually because it was just so well done, critically mm-hmm. acclaimed. It launched the careers of both Jared Leto and Claire Danes who played the protagonist Angela Chase yes. and she actually won a Golden Globe for her performance and the show had already been canceled at that point. Mm-hmm. Critics and fans alike were shocked when this show was canceled. There was like no good reason for it. It was it really.
1: awful. Yeah. It literally broke my heart. I think it was probably just because they 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 had that that storyline with the boring parents.
0: I think it was because-
1: I'm just kidding. um,
0: It kind of, this is reminiscent of sassy too. Like when we think Mm -hmm. about the early nineties, they were a lot more conservative than we might Mm -hmm. want to believe, like socially conservative. And so there were plot lines on there that were really troubling to advertisers. For example, to have one of the like main characters be openly gay was problematic, you know? So- Uh, for advertisers. Like, I I find the 90s to be really fascinating in retrospect because we were so young and we were in, like, a more subculture part of it the whole time. But real mainstream culture of the 90s was very conservative. Mm -hmm. Uh, People didn't come out of the closet in the way they do now, you know? No, they Uh, did not. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, so... Yes. Uh, Also, there was like a lot of like teenagers having sex and stuff on it, not in a gratuitous way on any level, but I think advertisers really had a problem with it much in the way that like advertisers had a problem with sassy being like, what's it like to lose your virginity and things like that that are actually super helpful for girls that age to read about and to learn about. But, you know, this was the era of like, we're trying to take sex ed out of the school and only teach abstinence. Like that's what the 90s were. So- one thing I loved about my so-called life, which I have seen from beginning to end. I mean, I want to say, Kim, what do you think? There are like 10, 12 episodes. There aren't that many.
1: There's not many.
0: Uh it's not really about anything other than what it's like to be a teenager. Whereas you compare that to O, there was there was always a moral at the end of every 902 and O show, right? 90210 was really committed to covering, quote, the issues, you know? Like that was what teenager tv strived to be at that time it was like about the issues but my so-called life was just like being a teenage girl is hard like let's see what a teenage girl resonated yeah and i Uh wish they would have not had the parts about the parents i don't understand why it was in there it was so weird
1: um boring because the people that are like i mean who knows i I don't know what the demographics were but
0: Media, I, missed, I, I mean, mean, I don't oh. know who they were intending that show to be for. I thought it was for teenagers. But every time, like, remember the dad wanted to start a restaurant and, like, the mom <sighs> was getting jealous and just was like, like got I don't haircut. need to see this, oh. you know? <laughs> yeah, because I was like, "Can like, I wish I could fast forward through this. Like, I get it that you guys are having a tough li- time in adulthood, but I'm, like, you know, 14 and I just don't care. Um, I also liked that the kids on that show, unlike Nine Hundred Two and 90210... Actually, were kids and looked like kids, whereas on Ninety Two Zero, it came out a couple seasons in that a lot of them were in their late twenties and early thirties. And once you know that, you can't unsee it. Um, <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah, that guy. That guy looks, yeah. I I, I see that now. Um, <laughs> so I found, I was trying to think of like the best way to describe Jordan Catal- Catalano and I found this fan written description of Jordan Catalano and I think it summarizes some best. So I'm just going to read that. Jordan Catalano is a high school junior who was held back two years. So we're already seeing, okay, Jordan Catalano, mm-hmm. not an academic overachiever. Not that that's mature,
1: a though. Mature, you know? though. Yes,
0: yes. After getting to know him more, Angela theorizes his lack of scholastic achievement is because maybe he's dyslexic. So she's like, she's like, I am going to save him. I am going to fix him up. He's later diagnosed as a rudimentary reader. I mean, he really just can't read at all with low literacy skills. And that's partially because Angela signed him up for peer tutoring. Once again, setting this precedent for, like, the more of an asshole a guy is, the more you should try to fix mm-hmm. his life, you know? As a result of his learning disability, Jordan ditches virtually every class but gym and shop. And for half this season, he goes to English because a teacher really resonates with him. He smokes cigarettes, which you got to remember in high school, Matt, you were, like, Pretty cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he often puts visine in his eyes. This is from the description. It's so funny. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. He is always putting visine in, which means. but Which means. He's, I don't think those were cigarettes. No, he was smoking weed for sure. Uh, yeah. They would have never been able to show that on TV. But they did yeah, a good exactly. job implying it. And this is my favorite part of this description. He leans with his eyes closed as if he's trying not to look at things. Angela is fond of the way he leans.
1: Yes. She's, there's, a, there's that internal dialogue so you can understand what she's thinking all yes, the time. Yes,
0: yes. You know, as I'm describing this to you, I'm like, yeah, this guy seems kind of boring. But, like, I got to tell you, that's not how it looks. It looks like this guy is super deep, you know? He's, like, so yeah. deep that yeah. he just needs to lean back and not look at things, you know? It's like that, that
1: vampire show uh, movie. Sorry, movie. What's it called? Uh, Twilight.
0: It is like Twilight. I actually was reading people comparing him to the guy from Twilight. And I'm like, yeah, I can see that. Um, but Jordan Catalano is the ultimate 90s rebel dude. He can get you a fake ID. But he's also sensitive. But he's in a band and it's called The Frozen Embryos. He wears flannel shirts and oversized sweaters. He always is wearing a black choker necklace.
1: I think that sensitive thing is actually a really good point, also because the same thing is with Troy and a lot of these guys is that it's like a different, like the cool guy is is like quote unquote sensitive,
0: but like he has to hide it by being tough or something, and yeah, they like, like misunderstood, but, even, but sensitive.
1: It's not even a real sensitivity. It's just like – it's like a weird, weird, weird description of the word sensitive. They're just not like like a dude's dude.
0: Yes, yes. And I also think that they have mental health issues.
1: Um, Yeah, definitely. I was
0: thinking a lot about the 90s recently. Like once again, there's so much to unpack there. And in terms of like art and culture, so like music, you know, literature – film, television of that time, it was kind of the first time, you know, here we have a Gen X, like starting to slowly, you know, create all of that art. They started to talk about child abuse and traumatic childhoods in a way that no one ever had before. So it's not like Gen X was the first generation that was beaten by their parents or, you know, neglected or anything, but it was the first generation that really shared that via art and, You know, there are tons of, like, every major, like, grunge band of that era had songs about that. You know, there were videos about it. We started to understand this archetype that was created of this, and it was always male, interestingly enough, as if women had not experienced tons of abuse as as girls, right? But it was this guy who had been abused as a child, and so as an adult was, like, fragile, but also angry, and therefore that made him, like, really sensitive and different, you know? And so Jordan Catalano is one of those characters where it comes out that, like, his dad had been really abusive, he would beat his mom, too, in front of him, and so he's had a very troubled upbringing. And we're supposed to, and understandably, like, cut him some slack because of that, but I think that it's interesting that suddenly in the 90s, we're seeing this all over the place, um, yeah. which I think is good, right? These are things that we need to talk about. But I do think that some of these shows sort of romanticized just a little bit.
1: It's absolutely – it's like all part of the, the character profile. Yeah,
0: yeah. So other characters that we're going to talk about also – had messed up home lives and stuff like that. But that was like in in the eighties, it was like the sitcom era. It was either sitcoms or like, you know, primetime soap operas and no one was talking about how they'd been abused by children, like as they were children, like this is the first time we see Mm -hmm. this making its way into the culture. And so, yeah, Jordan Catalano is one of those. And so you start to develop even more empathy and connection to him. But Jordan did a lot of stuff that was super lame. You know, he ignored Angela all the time in front of people, which as a person who's been on the, on Angela's role in that, where I've been ignored by some dude, I thought I had a thing with publicly. That is just brutal.
1: Yeah, me too. Absolutely. It's absolutely brutal. And it's, and it's really common. Oh
0: my God. Someone needs to make a nickname for that. You know, catchy name. gotta find that on the internet. Um, he will. He literally in one episode, and he handles this very poorly. I mean, it's already a poor idea, but he's just so awkward and inarticulate. He approaches Angela with the idea that they should have sex since people already thinks that think that they did have sex, which is like oh. the worst logic I've ever had, heard. Then they are like briefly in a relationship of some sort, but he breaks up with Angela because she's not ready for sex. Which, if this were just if if Instead of this being Jordan Catalano, it was some like football player dude. You would hate this character; Mm -hmm. he would be the villain. But somehow, in my so-called life, we're like, oh, just so you know, he's just confused or whatever. Right? He's
1: clearly emotionally he has
0: uh, problems. Yeah,
1: emotionally broken.
0: Last but not least, he hooks up. With her best friend Rayanne, which oh my god, I
1: forgot, I, I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah,
0: and and they like then like Angela is distraught that destroys her relationship with Rayanne, and then in like the finale episode, which was supposed to be like the cliffhanger for the second season that never got made, he goes to Brian Krakow, which we'll talk about in a moment, and gets Brian to write a love letter for Angela that will help him win her back. And Angela gets this letter and doesn't think that it seems fishy that this barely literate guy wrote her this very thoughtful love letter. And so she wants to get back together. But the cliffhanger Mm -hmm. is that she finds out that Brian wrote it. And so I said that like in a lot of these, in a lot of these movies and television shows with the hunky slacker dude, there's always that counter Like that, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, opposite dude who's the nice guy. And in in My So-Called Life, it's Brian Krakow. But like, whereas in uh, Reality Bites, I'm like, yeah, she should have ended up with Ben Stiller's character, right? In My So-Called Life, I don't think that Angela should end up with Brian Krakow either. He is a straight-A student. He's an overachiever. He's so nerdy. Like, clearly his mom dresses him. He's got some growing up to do. Yes,
1: he needs to, like, go to college and get a little cooler before yeah. he can be with Angela.
0: He's also got, like, major incel vibes that I see yeah. now. Like, little he's,
1: potential there.
0: Yeah, he's the kind of guy who's, like, m- girls only like assholes. And he's, like, 16. Like, that's not a good sign. Yeah. And he gets kind of judgy about girls, like, who, you know, have sex and things like that. And so he never quite – I think that we were supposed to think of him as the other option because he is obsessed with Angela, has a really intense crush on her, but I never was like she should go with Brian. Like I never thought that. Yeah. I just thought maybe. They need she to introduce a different
1: a different character. Yes. For maybe her. maybe
0: if there would have been a second season, a new guy would have shown up. You know.
1: Well, maybe we could have meet, met that um who was that who was that character they always talked about and they never saw?
0: Oh God. I know who you're talking about. Hold on, I'm gonna Google it. Who is the they were always talking about him, the character. Especially
1: with like a T or something.
0: Oh, like it was like not Tony. Tito. Tito. Oh. Tino. Tino. Yes, because t- he's friends with Tino, who somehow knows Rayanne. Mm-hmm. Yes, Tino is never actually seen, but is mentioned in almost every episode as a running joke of the series. He's also the lead singer of Jordan's band, Frozen Embryos, which later, I just found out, rebranded themselves as Residue. I kind (laughs) of remember that now. (laughs) Oh, my
1: God. That's hilarious. All right. So um, I'm going to talk about Singles, which was kind of Uh, the other, another movie that was about the counterculture during this time period that it was kind of one of the only ones that we could hold on to also. (laughs) So we have rewatched it over and over and over again. And it's really funny looking back on it. You know, it was 1992 that it came out. um, It was from Cameron Crowe. Yeah, Cameron Crowe. And it's really funny to look at the casting and it was a bunch of like kind of up and comers but it's, it's like kind of like all these squares are cast in the roles. So you look at it and you're kind of like, it's about the grunge culture of the Seattle scene. It
0: is a really weird movie. I rewatched yeah. it like last summer and I was struck by, I mean, I actually think it probably really captures Seattle um, yeah. in, of the time, but like, Whereas everybody in Reality Bites is relentlessly cool,
1: yeah, like singles, it's so ner like square and weird, right? It's like here are square people, yes. surrounded by like musicians. Yeah. It's
0: very exactly. strange,
1: I, and yeah, and I was I was asking Neil about it, and he's like, I think that the that the casting didn't really understand the grunge scene. <laughs> At the time. Because yeah. it was so new. And yeah. so they cast all these up and comers who had like kind of like straight, you know, like really kind of nineties haircuts. Like they weren't they weren't part of the grunge scene. They so they seemed just there was like older. I
0: don't know how uh-huh. old we were supposed to oh think my God, they were. Right? But they all seemed like they were in their mid thirties.
1: Yes. And and that so, was actually really funny because we were we were watching Kira Sedgwick and 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 Neil was like, I feel like Kira Sedgwick always looks like she's a lot older than she is.
0: I'm like, she. <laughs> Does she does? And they dressed everybody really old. Yes, they didn't dress them too. They didn't. They dressed them all like professionals or something. They didn't dress them how? Like there was a a, disconnect.
1: Yeah, they didn't. Like they needed. They should have done it like a year later. When they understood the scene, or they should have had, they should have had someone on set or something that really understood the scene. Yeah,
0: it's so bizarre to me. I don't. There understand. was a disconnect. I mean, it's still a really enjoyable movie, but you it have is. to suspend your disbelief. I remember when that movie came out, I was so excited. Mm-hmm. I actually owned the soundtrack for the movie before I actually got to see it because it was just. I just didn't get to go to the movies a lot, you know, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, 'cause I couldn't d I was too young to drive, drive myself to see it or whatever. And uh so when I finally got to see the movie, I I had a hard time like getting into it yeah. because of the characters. They seem so old and adult and not at all what I expected. But yeah. the soundtrack is like So good. Fire. Yeah. So
1: good. And yeah, exactly. It was kind of like I remember there like because it's all about these different couples. And I didn't like. Um, it was kind of like the Kira Sedgwick couple because they—they're they, just so nerdy, and, and it, it so just doesn't—they don't make sense. Up. Yeah, they and don't like, make sense. It doesn't make sense. They're so grown up, exactly. And then I didn't really like. Oh, uh, I, there was another couple. I was like, oh, they, they don't make any sense either.
0: Well, there was the woman who did all the video dating.
1: Who? Well, that was just hilarious. But she also was old. No
0: so eighties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was so
1: weird that way. And I was like, this doesn't seem like the scene, but okay. <laughs> and the only thing I really I they, I love the Eddie Vetter, you know, I was like, Oh Eddie Vetter's yeah, in this It's so, so cool. You know? I love him. Anyway. <laughs> still
0: have a cry. Anyway,
1: sorry. Just kind of get kind of getting it off topic. But uh, the ultimate Gen X slacker in singles is Cliff, pa- played by Matt Dillon, and he really <laughs> actually did a really great job getting okay, into his part. But
0: like I find his wig very distracting. Oh, my God.
1: His (laughs) wig is hilarious. so hilarious.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And he is a soul patch wearing 1992 Seattle sex symbol with the long flowing hair. Yeah, like
0: this – he is – they've nailed him, you know?
1: They nailed him. Yeah. They've nailed – but – yeah, well, yeah, we'll get into it. But he's the lead singer of this grunge band with literally Eddie Vedder yeah. uh, as the drummer of the band.
0: Yeah, the whole band is Pearl Jam,
1: which is cool. That's what made it really kind of relevant. I think that the, a lot of the music was kind of curated by everyone in that scene. So there's people from
0: Soundgarden
1: and uh, uh, Alice in Chains. Yeah, there's I think, a live
0: performance it? of Allison Chains in the movie. And yes, the peop- okay, in the movie. Speaking of the characters being just like not cool... One pivotal scene is like they're all going to see Alice in Chains. I know. It's just like those people aren't going to see Alice in Chains. I no, know they're not. It so exactly. Weird. It's so, so weird. It's like you're going to wear your weird
1: like, like vest. Yeah. Like your weird vest to Alice in Chains. So I, was like, weird. I don't think yeah. so. So. Weird. I know, exactly. I'm like, I just... I think there's a disconnect. Um, anyway, so, he, uh, you know, of course this was set in Seattle, and his quote-unquote girl, Janet, is played by Bridget Fonda. Um, you know, and he, uh, he treats her like, just yeah, absolutely terrible
0: rap. Terrible. He is terrible
1: to her. Yeah.
0: Um, and
1: her character is a little bit of a disconnect also because she is so clean cut. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, since she works well. at a coffee
0: shop, and she should just be dirtier looking she should be grungier she should yeah. be
1: dirtier yeah i think they like i said that it's you know we know what that seattle scene looked like and it didn't look like bridget fonda <laughs> um but anyway we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna just pass on by that anyway so he still sees other people and he just choose and she just chooses to look yeah the other yeah way. it's like
0: intentional and he, he's ignorance. he's very vocal yeah, yeah, about he's it he's not he
1: Tells her, you know, he's very transparent. It's so sad. Um, And so she's blind to literally all of his faults, uh, including the fact that Cliff the Peach has photos of well endowed women plastered Uh, literally all over his apartment. That's gross. (laughs) She even asks Cliff if her breasts are too small, and he gives her a very honest, sometimes (laughs) answer. (laughs)
0: What is (laughs) <laughs> it's so weird that
1: yes her breasts Just are too sometimes. small
0: sometimes <laughs> I think
1: yes basically <laughs> um, and so you know one of the most memorable parts in the movie and something that I actually remembered quite often is it, um, is when she's telling her friend and neighbor um, all the things that she looks for in a guy, you know, someone who has their own place, a steady job, um, is responsible and appreciates her, and who'll say "God bless you" or "Gazoon tight" also um, when she sneezes. But has uh, you know, eventually just narrowed the list down considerably, <laughs> basically settling or just like lowering her standards um, that really actually aren't a tall order of standards just to someone who will say, God bless you when she sneezes. And so she puts Cliff to the test and she fakes some sneezes. And instead he just tosses her a box of tissues <laughs> and says, you know, as if he's even got a box yeah, of tissues in his apartment, on, but you know, besides have- the point, even throw a whole of
0: toilet paper, maybe.
1: Ex- Oh, my God, you're totally right. Um, And tells her not to get him sick because he's got a gig Ah. coming up. And so she does a really solid thing here, you know, really model behavior, um, real positive model situation here. She breaks up with him and learns to be alone with herself. Which is great. Which which is great. And I remember thinking about this. I think about this all the time. I think about how great this is. I think about her painting that chair on the on her stoop all the time and just like really enjoying being alone with herself. Um, and I know that's really, really, really hard. She's got this great quote from the movie, which is actually really rare to, to see in a movie. She says, being alone, there's a certain dignity to it.
0: <laughs> there is. <laughs> being single – very I hate that like mm-hmm. we're programmed that we should not be single and we should try to be single as briefly as possible because there are many there yeah. are positive attributes to being in a relationship. There are positive attributes to being single. Neither is better than yes. the other.
1: And so this same woman that I referenced earlier, Haley Quinn, has a really great TED Talk called Searching for Love to Escape Ourselves. It's very actually relevant here about this exact thing, um, where she says, and I quote, love, sex, and dating are often venerated as the ultimate goal in life. However, Mm -hmm. much of our quest for love is about avoiding being with ourselves, you know, about facing reality, about creating our own direction, And in running away from ourselves in love, do we ultimately avoid the work needed to return to selfhood? I love that. That will actually bring us happiness. And I think it's amazing. It's a really good TED talk. Mm. Um, I found it with when I when I was researching the flea bagging thing, because it's really all about like you know stopping and learning to you know love yourself mm-hmm. before being in another relationship and you know that's how important that is um you know and of course since this is a movie you know cliff realizes he's been a total ding dong yeah there's no there's no back. character you know, development. you don't really there's understand you don't know how he's figured character. this out <laughs> no exactly like uh-huh. what changed? He just he just sees her being happy by herself, you know, and so he has to win her over I by just being know, nice. Me too. And do but you what think fucking the are still together? Like this pisses me off. Uh, I don't know because he wasn't the yeah yeah he wasn't the absolute worst. He wasn't like a Troy Dyer. Um. He did actually have some. He did have redeeming qualities, Um, but you know, getting back with your ex and expecting a different outcome—yeah,
0: yeah—like
1: he is changed into this incredibly different soul. Yeah, I mean, as my
0: grandfather would always say, "An old broom never sweeps clean." (laughs) I don't know where he picked that one up, but uh.
1: (laughs) very true. Very true, you know. Just another lie per, 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 uh, per, perpetrated by the entertainment industry uh, to give women false hope, yeah. as well, of like a guy coming back, of you working on yourself, and he's going to come back, or the fact that if he comes back, things are going to be different, or that you know he's he's going to just you know sweep you off your feet again. All these different yeah. crazy yeah. lies that Cliff is going to he's going he's gonna to cliff you, you know. Um. Just, I, you know, I, I really kind of wished, you know, in the long run, she would say no or he never comes back, you know, and he just moves on. But it, so it's a movie, like and, like, all that's of these just not how movies go.
0: and television shows, there's a nice guy that she should have ended up with if she was going to end up with anyone else. Mm-hmm. And that was the plastic surgeon. Thank you, Amanda. Which you don't get to say that very often, but uh, yeah. she goes- Yeah, he like threw himself. I know. And she went to see him because she wanted to get, you know, uh, breast implants. She wanted Cliff to be more attracted to her. I mean, so depressing- I don't even want to talk about that. It's, it's so depressing. depressing. She wanted to change herself, yes, so,
1: so that he would love yes. her.
0: Which you know, if she had gotten those breast implants, he would. It would not have changed Oof. anything. Anyway, no. uh, the the uh, plastic surgeon is actually like, you know, I think you're perfect just the way you are. And he's a really nice guy. He's not cool like yeah. Cliff, but I mean, we don't know because we only see him at work. He might be cool. He might be going to see Allison Jane's too. Who knows? I mean, literally. Apparently, yeah, everyone, everyone is. is. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like, I she was just kind of like, "Sorry, like, no, you're like not my type, or whatever." You're.
1: Oh my god, he's like, but he's super cute and so sweet, and he's a doctor.
0: I know, and he's a plastic surgeon, and whose job is to operate on people who feel insecure. And he said to her, "No, yeah. I think you're perfect just the way you are." Yeah. Ah, uh, so. That's who she should have ended up with. I'm not sure about her and Cliff. I feel like... No. She would have gotten sick of it. Because he's like... His yeah. band, Citizen Dick. That was the name of it. I believe Citizen their album Dick, was called yes. Touch Me, I'm Dick. Uh, eh. <laughs> he, I just don't see... Well, of course, in real life, you know, the thing about singles is it was... <laughs> in uh, Singles was shot actually be- just before the Seattle scene blew up. And so... If singles were a documentary rather than a fiction film, perhaps he would his career would have taken off when the like the like whole like Seattle sound became like the latest craze, and perhaps they would have had a very different life. But I would argue that if that had happened and Citizen Dick was like the pearl jam, you know, of their time, of yeah. this alternate reality. I think as soon as he got that kind of success and wealth, he would have been back to playing games.
1: Yeah. I mean, she, yes, I think so. And she was also, you know, she was going back to school, I think to be, I don't know, an architect or something. Um, you know, she was also, you know, very driven. This is the kind of like dude that drags
0: you down. Oh, this is the for drag. Sure. It actually makes me think of another movie that I've watched so many times that I saw <laughs> at a young impressionable age that it's not about a, hipster slacker of the 90s but actually of the 60s and that's the doors mm. and oh, i gosh, see yes. a parallel there to the jim morrison character being like this quiet to like deep dude he's tortured and sensitive um and is really like loyal to his girlfriend until he gets really famous and then he's like yeah. it's still off and on and miserable and i, I just don't want that for bridget fonda's character
1: yeah, I feel like this like the 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 quintessential rocker dude, it's that that's basically a common theme. Yeah, for sure. And and I don't know why we're just pre-programmed to find that well, attractive. Well, and I
0: just feel like now it's like a cliche. So dudes who are musicians Ugh. buy into that hype and they're like, "Yeah, of course I'm supposed yeah. to like hook up with lots of groupies. I'm in a band." And you're like, "Uh, Gross. like no, actually. And that's like not cool." Um mm-hmm you can't talk about sexy, broody dudes of the nineties without talking about Dylan McKay of Beverly Hills, 90210. And I'm not ashamed to admit I'm a 90210 super fan. I don't think it's a great show, but I have so many sentimental connections with it that I have seen every episode, at least half a dozen times, even the crappy late seasons where everyone is boring. And most importantly about the late seasons, my number one crush, Dylan McKay, is absent. So I don't even know why that show was still on. But oh. Dylan McKay was played by, in my opinion, my personal opinion, my number one ultimate heartthrob celebrity crush, Luke Perry. And I okay, I still am in denial that he has passed away. It makes me really, really sad. He died, oh, I want to say, last year or the year before that of a stroke. And he was only 52 Uh, I would say that Dylan McKay appeared in my life at just the right time to solidify himself as like the male archetype that appeals to me most. Because he came into my life in middle school when you're just Uh starting to think about that kind of stuff, you know. Now, in retrospect, I want to say that Luke Perry was 30, (laughs) Um, at that time, so that that feels weird um uh, <laughs> to like he was he you know I mean he was pretty close to thirty he was significantly yeah. older than me, but he was just i mean like I think that was the moment when I was like, I understand what the word' sexy means, you know, he was deep, <laughs> he was tortured, he had like a dark backstory. He loved books as much as I did. And he was wildly handsome. Even though he, sometimes they dressed him so stupidly because they just didn't know what they <laughs> were doing. And they would dress him with like the overalls with the one strap down, which I know was a oh, thing no. people did. That's but right. it looked so embarrassing. And I just don't think that character really would have done that ever. Um, I will tell you that I have rewatched the show as an adult. In fact, last year we watched most of it together as a family. I laughed and laughed and laughed at just how campily dark his character is. It's like so Uh stupidly written. He's just like a caricature of James Dean with like a 90s spin on it. But the way he made me feel at seventh grade still lives (laughs) on in my heart. Like it... It felt so romantic and real then, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you just, like, clung yeah, onto to it. Yeah,
0: yeah. He, Dylan McKay, is an extraordinarily rich kid. You don't know exactly where his money comes from. Like, I think his mom comes from old money. His dad was this, like stock dude who went to prison and was in Ponzi schemes and stuff like that. He, even though he's like 16, owns his own home and lives alone, uh, which means, you know, he can do whatever he wants. It's like he's a guy who's about 30 playing a character who's supposed to be 16 who lives like a guy who's about 30. It's very strange to look at it as an adult. I'm like, this makes no sense. Like the writing around this makes no sense. And it doesn't help that he's obviously a grown man. It makes it even weirder, actually. Um, (laughs) He surfs. He travels. He drives a vintage Porsche convertible. He is quiet. He's angry. He loves poetry and the great writers. He's also an alcoholic at the age of 16. Like, he already goes to AA meetings. So, clearly, there's, like, a really dark party boy past there. And throughout the series, he slips back into drugs and alcohol here and there. but as the viewer, it's only you are led to understand that it's only because he's just so tortured, you know. Mm-hmm. He He is actually sort of like the moral compass of the show. That's how they set him up. He's a good guy. like the show goes out of its way to show Dylan doing good things all the time. but he's kind of a dick. He loses his temper in what I would call the ultimate red flag first date with Brenda, where he is like (gasps) breaking stuff and doing shots and screaming and driving erratically. And she's like, I'm frightened, you're scaring me. And then they got into a relationship. (laughs) Like, this is not something that like 12 year old girls should be watching, or any 12 year olds actually. Of all of or 15 all yeah. or Yeah. So. <laughs> no one yeah. who's young should be watching this because it confuses you about what a relationship can be like, what's healthy. I mean,
1: of course, we're just like, no, no. Any, any parents are going to be like, we're not going to let anyone watch anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're just ruining like, – we're ruining all these kids' like lives right now. Yeah. Um, eventually, he starts dating Brenda's best friend, Kelly, ruining that relationship forever. And I just like – I don't think that that's okay. You know, like, I think we see this happening a lot in the 90s where this, like, hero, the sexy, broody, slacker hero breaks up all of these, like, really strong female relationships and we're supposed to be okay with that. And I would say, like, if I saw something like that play out in real life in front of me, I would be like, that guy sucks. What is wrong with him? Mm -hmm. You know?
1: Absolutely. So anyway. I I didn't really watch this. That's why I'm not really.
0: Yeah, uh, I loved it. And I was trying to think, I feel like with, you know, the main person that he dated was Brenda. Uh, Later, you know, he Mm -hmm. was in a weird off and on thing with Kelly. But I was trying to think of like who the nice guy was supposed to be that Brenda went out with. And it was like all these other dudes that she just met along the way and was bored with and like kept coming back to him. So. I think that actually Brenda's twin brother was supposed to be the good guy, like counterbalance for for Dylan, Uh, but that would have been weird for them to date. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Although uh, for people who are major fans of 90210, you know, there are podcasts about, tons of podcasts about 90210 actually, and I've listened to some of them. And one thing that everybody comes back to time and time again is that there is a weird flirtatious chemistry between Shannon Doherty who plays Brenda and Jason Priestley who plays her twin brother, Brandon, that like in scenes where they're supposed to just be having like brother sister conversations, you feel like they're going to start making out at any moment. <laughs> and it is true. It is very, very weird. And uh, a couple years ago, Lifetime made a movie about 90210 it's like super silly and very fun to watch and even they they touch on the weird sexy chemistry stuff going on with them because they definitely did hook up a few times in real life whoa yeah yeah um anyway i highly recommend it if you're just like not feeling well and want to lay in bed and be entertained watch watch the lifetime movie about 90210
1: <laughs> yeah, all right.
0: Um, well, I can't talk about sexy, bad male characters that totally ruined <laughs> dating for me without talking about Christian Slater, who was another heartthrob of the late 80s and early 90s that I feel like we don't talk about anymore. Like, whereas there are tons of memes of Reality Bites and 902 and 0 and everything else we've talked about, making their way across Tumblr all the time. I don't see as much Christian Slater as you would think. I mean, I do see Mm -hmm. some Heather's memes, but in general, I was refreshing my memory about Christian Slater's career, and he was like wildly successful in the 90s. Yes. Like wildly. Um, I look back now, and I'm like, eh, about Christian Slater, but there was this boy who went to my high school, and his name was Jay Flegel. And I can say his name because I doubt he's ever going to listen to the department. And he, to my, like, 14-year-old mind, he looked exactly like Christian Slater. Yes. And I was obsessed with him for, like, a big chunk of 10th grade. I mean – like, if I saw him in the hallway, I would have to turn <laughs> because it was too much oh, for me, God. you know? Oh, my uh, God. I never really had a conversation with him. Um, but there was this all-ages alternative club, like, I don't know, like 20 minutes away, 30 minutes away. And he hung out there. So my best friend and I started getting her dad to drive us there every. Friday night in case I wanted to talk to him. And I think that's how I got into a lot of music actually. I know. I know. Oh my God. Yeah. So like. Such stalkers. I know. know, Such stalkers. Like random fact about me is I Mm -hmm. actually really love late eighties, early nineties industrial music. And I totally got into that by going to this all ages alternative club to stalk Jake Flegel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who may or may not that have looked like Christian amazing. Slater. I know. I know. Have you have you have you Googled? Him no, recently? I'm afraid to. I, I might after this, but what? I just yeah, you know, I bet it's
1: I think you have to. I bet to. it's not
0: good. Anyway, uh it's
1: it's not gonna be good, Amanda.
0: <laughs> I did, I will say, <laughs> it never years is. later, uh, when I was in college, I was in Philadelphia visiting my boyfriend Brad, who lived there, and he was in class or something and I had a cold and so he gave me some triaminic and I decided to go out for a walk and I don't know why but I ran into Jay Flegel who as far as I know did not live in Philadelphia either and we just like sat on a bench very quietly for like an hour and I remember thinking like this is one of the best moments of my life so far. (laughs) Did did he like recognize you? Yeah but he was a man of few words he was a he was a Jordan Catalano type when it came to conversation. Oh, so it was just a of lot of like, uh huh. Yeah. Uh, you live in New York now? Uh, you know, but anyway, um, that was the last time I've seen him as far as I, as I can remember. But anyway, Christian Slater was like the guy for so long. And he was often mm-hmm. compared to a young Jack Nicholson, especially the way he played his character in Heather's and it's, it's true. Um, I think at the time I saw Heather's the first time I was not really that super aware of Jack Nicholson's work outside of Batman. (laughs) But uh, since then I've seen a lot more Jack Nicholson movies and I'm like, Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's got like that vibe, those eyebrows, the way he talks and it's like I started, like I said, I was refreshing my memory about Christian Slater's career, and I was like, "Oh my God, Whoa. He was in everything!" He was in so many iconic yeah. movies. Like there was Heather's, and I'm going to talk about his character in Heather's and how it imprinted itself in my on my psyche. But he was also in *Gleaming the Cube*, which was a very cool skateboarder movie. In and that was those both came out in 1989. So two super cool movies in one year. In. 1990, he was in Pump Up the Volume, where he runs a pirate radio station. And the thing I remember most about that is, like, at one point, a girl flashes her boobs at him. That's what I remember most about that movie. But I do remember that it was very cool. But I've only seen it one time. In night, And that was in 1990. In 1993, he was in True Romance, which I'd forgotten about. Another, like, super iconic Such movie. Such a good movie. Yeah. And yeah. then he was also in Untamed Heart the same year, which you and I were talking yes. about.
1: Oh my god, I I think I saw that in, in the theaters. Like, I remember
0: times. he was like, su- this is when he was at his most J. legalness, actually, mm. <laughs> like the hair. Um, yes. But yes, he Also, I had totally forgotten this. Flegal-ness. Him, he was in lots of big blockbuster films of the '90s, including Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <gasps> Yes. Interview with a Vampire, which everybody uh-huh. saw that. Here's a movie I didn't see, but I know was huge. Young Guns 2. Loved Young Guns 2. <laughs> but he was in tons <laughs> of other movies, too. You know, like he was on uh-huh. fire. But no role was sexier and more destructive to all of our young romantic minds than his role as J.D. in Heathers.
1: Absolutely. You know, first off,
0: Kim, I'm going to tell you, I've seen Heathers, I, I would say, about 10 times, probably more. Saying 10 times is an understatement. Cuz think of all the times you would rent it and watch it over and over again or yeah. you had a friend who had a VHS and you would just watch it. But yeah. I just found out today that Heather's is intended to be a satire. Which I'm like, yeah, no shit. Mm-hmm. I but when I saw the first time I saw it, I was like, this is a very serious and sexy movie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> secondly, the writer originally wanted Stanley Kubrick to direct it because he really thought that oh. Kubrick nailed the satire of Dr. Strangelove and he thought he could do the same thing with the Heather script. And I love to imagine Heather's in this alternative universe where it's directed by Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> you know, like yeah, it would absolutely. be very, very different. Um, like I said, I can see now that this is a satire, that this is a dark comedy. But as a middle school kid who was somehow allowed to rent this movie from the video store, and I watched it like 10 times that one weekend that I had it, it (laughs) it just seemed like the purest, sexiest movie I'd ever seen. And the cherry on top was that the popular kids were assholes and they all got what they deserved. Like if you were... A weird, yeah. nerdy kid like me, this movie was like porn, you know? Right. Like like, like someone who had their Trapper Keeper
1: stolen yes, from Yes, exactly. Them. If
0: you are a survivor of Trapper Keeper theft, like I am, that this movie is very mm-hmm. meaningful.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: So, J.D., he's a loner. He's a transfer from another school, so he's very mysterious. And he and Veronica played by that 90s icon, Winona Ryder. Absolutely. They immediately gravitate towards one another. They eventually, the first time that they hang out, they have sex on her parents' lawn amidst all this abandoned croquet game. I think that they were like playing strip croquet or something. And the chemistry between them is so powerful that I wonder if they actually ever hang out IRL or if anything ever happened between them IRL because- there's something about those two together that like really adds up. And I need to do some like digging on that. Cause I'm just so curious. Yeah,
1: Definitely. He
0: literally says to her, our love is God, which uh, I don't think really means anything, but it sounds super deep when you're in middle school. Like I said, this movie, I thought I was like, this yeah. is like a really sexy romantic movie. Okay.
1: <laughs> you're like, I want, you're like, I want, this is what, this is what a relationship. Yeah, like. yeah.
0: This is like this is how you know in, in like yeah, high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, <sighs> the plot immediately goes off the rails. Yes, yes. JD is yeah. literally murdering murdering people via Veronica. I don't want to give too many details away because if for some reason you have not seen this movie, you must go see it. It holds up. Uh, it's very entertaining. It is not a romantic, sexy movie. I can say that as an adult. Um, but no, it's but yeah. Not. So they're like murdering people, um, and they frame it as a suicide every time. Like Veronica's not really intending to murder people, but JD is like using her to, you know, commit murder basically. And eventually, I mean, escalates and escalates. Like it's very creepy. And JD plots to blow up the school. And eventually, at the end, spoiler, he blows himself up. So, you know, I look at this now as an adult, and I can say, not the best dating material. (laughs) But there's just something about J.D. I can't explain it. And I'm sure Christian Slater is a big part of it. I I don't know. He nails that role. I mean, I think he's pretty young in that movie and he is a very good actor. Like, wow. You know, his performance is just so iconic, but his character is incredibly damaged. He has a terrible relationship with his father. His mother died via suicide and he is like vindictive. He's obsessed. He's I don't know if he's like a sociopath or a psychopath or what, but it he is a very toxic person to be in a relationship. Uh, I think this fan summary, another great fan summary, really nails his character. Veronica breaks it off with JD not long into their relationship due to him murdering three of her classmates. He continues to try to win her back with no avail and eventually decides to kill her too. (laughs) Uh yeah. but like once again, I thought this was somehow sexy. I I just Yeah. Thoughts here. What do you think? I <laughs> <laughs> uh, well,
1: you know, obviously when you're in like in middle school, you know, it's you're not you're not really always kind of following the plot line for what it really is. I mean, you're no. just kind of like you're not really putting two and two together always.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think Heather's is a movie for adults, but it, it was is. very heavily marketed towards young people at the time. It, it was. was in all of the teen magazines, and you know, when Ryder was such an it girl of that time, it mm-hmm. was really.
1: And Christian Slater was also a heart, was a heartthrob yeah. in oh, the, the heartthrob. Yeah, he was.
0: So it was like, oh, this is a movie for. You know, thirteen-year-olds too, and like in retrospect, yeah. it is a movie for adults because as an adult, you have a completely different perspective on it. It's about a
1: psychopath, yeah. like this is, yeah, it's it's literally a, a murdering psychopath. I remember seeing it when I was young, and I was like, nope, do not like this. This is not this is not something I like. And I actually don't really watch it that often because I remember seeing it when I was really young, and it's not like, really kind of being traumatized by it. And I'm it's like,
0: scary. It is really scary. Yeah. The last act of it is terrifying. It turns into, like, a horror film basically. It is. It's is a yeah, horror Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think that maybe I just, like, didn't pay attention during that part. I got really hung up on the early parts of it. And, you yeah. know, you, I, you watch it as an adult and you're like, man, that kid, like, get away from him. Like, everybody in the movie exactly. is actually terrible. Even Winona Ryder's character who is supposed to be, like, you know, the moral compass of the film, she's Kind of fucked up too, you know. Yeah, and there's also a so much being in it. Um, just oh, oh god, I'll say Martha dump truck. Anyway, it's a it's a satire, but I can when you see that when you're 13 or 14, you don't you don't know that you that goes everywhere your head. You yeah. think this is a serious movie yeah, exactly. about how sexy bad boys are <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of murdering, I did read about how the slacker kind of was killed off in entertainment Oh, really
0: interesting um,
1: yeah i didn't i didn't really i didn't really do a whole expose on this i just i'd like read a little bit about it um it actually came about in um basically one small scene in clueless when or basically clueless the movie kind of killed you
0: it know off. what that makes sense to me because what what year did clueless come out was that like 94 93 90- so 96. let me look here.
1: Let me look here. Uh, yeah, take a look.
0: Uh 95. 95. Okay. I knew 95. it was like smack yeah. in the middle of the 90s. Because
1: there's that one scene where she's talking about all the guys that she goes to high school with, and she talks about their greasy hair. And they do that, that they do that clip of all the guys walking, and they're all like, they're they're at <laughs> high school, and they, they have like their baggy jeans and their greasy hair <laughs> and they're all gross. And she's just like Ew. <laughs> no, thank you. And and then it just like was like absolutely not. And then all the men kinda had to be better. Huh. And that's that's kind of when it stopped. Well,
0: okay, but let's
1: I mean, I don't know if it works. Totally yeah, stopped, let's just say, honestly, okay, but, maybe they
0: had to be better aesthetically, but uh they were just still as terrible. <laughs> Like and yeah, they're yeah, they were still not so doing their shenanigans, like we talked about in the hipster, like toxic episode. Um, But yeah, yeah I mean, I could see that being a, a turning point. There was like, I remember by the late '90s, if you looked like Cliff from Singles, you were like embarrassing, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like the Soul Patch. Like for as you know, when I think people, when people think of the '90s they think of like that grunge, like that grunge era. They think of singles. They think of soul patches and dudes with long hair and whatnot and wearing thermals under shorts, you know, like that kind of guy. But Yes, yes, and the flannel. But by uh-huh. the late 90s, that was embarrassing. Like it was actually, and I will say this, you know, very honestly that by the late 90s, it would have been embarrassing to tell people that you were still listening to Pearl Jam. You know, like there was there was a period there where I didn't listen to any of the music that I'd listened to prior to 1995, uh, at least not publicly, because it was yeah, it was embarrassing exactly. if someone came over and you were like, you know, I, I listened to the singles soundtrack or something. Like it took a while for that to be unembarrassing again, and of course then it came back in this major way, like being embraced by you know younger millennials and like Gen Z, but. I, I feel like what we think of as the iconic '90s aesthetic and culture was actually only around for a few years. I think it got it, exactly yeah. it was uh, quote sold out a little too much, and people lost interest in it. Like think about yeah. Mark Jacobs. Like Mark Jacobs. Yeah. Jacobs did a whole <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, show. exactly, <laughs> yeah, and exactly. It, it came and went mm-hmm. so fast. And actually, by the time we got to the late '90s, it was really more into like the aesthetically, like being more, like, futuristic looking, which I know sounds like... was Y2K. Yeah, it was Y2K. I mean, it was, like, maxi yeah. skirts with, like, 100 pockets in them and futuristic platform rocket dog shoes and stuff like that. It's, like, interesting to talk about this slacker dude archetype because his aesthetics didn't last very long, but his personality carried well through into, like, now in terms of bad dudes I've dated. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah. exactly yeah definitely resonated I mean we, we definitely missed some we didn't we didn't talk, talk about all of them because we only have mm-hmm. so much
0: time yeah so if you have a bad slacker dude of film or television or even books uh call the hotline send us an email yeah. DM us on Instagram we want to hear about it we'll talk about it in the next episode because I'm sure you're all thinking of someone right now yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for joining us once again. Thank you. Bye.